0: I got three words for you. You like that? Oh, you like that, baby. Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. It's a Super Friends Wild Card Weekend Recap Edition. Joining me to break down a crazy game featuring Kirk Cousins taking down the Saints and another crazy game with the uh, Seahawks. Taking down poor Devos, Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner, McGuff, Ryan. You could make, you already did it once, but you did it on our YouTube exclusive look ahead. So now you got to do it twice. You got to make an apology, a public apology to my man, Kirk, not Kirby, Cousins, who came through in a big way, got the job done. Vikings rough. Saints tie it. Go to overtime. Kirk takes a deep shot downfield. A big boy throw and a big boy stage and the biggest of windows. Hits Adam Thielen and then completes a pass to Kyle Rudolph, Adam Rudolph, for a touchdown. Vikings win. Walk off. The Vikings Super Bowl dream is alive. Suck it, Kirby. He's dead. Kirby's dead. Long live Kirk.
1: No, you're right. I owe Kirby an apology. I only call him Kirby when he doesn't play well. He is playing extremely well right now. He played well for most of the season. Uh, my issues were going into the Superdome and trying to win there. I said, like, God, oh, there's no way they can do this. My issues were Kirk Cousins, um, how he played in big games. We knew he was 0-9 on Monday night, 0-6 in Minnesota, 0-1 in the playoffs. None of that matters. So my apologies to you, dear sir. You mentioned that throw to Kyle Rudolph. That was a- an amazing throw. He made several great throws during the game. The defense played out of its mind. And I think sort of the under underrated storyline is that He outplayed Drew Brees by a large margin. He outplayed, uh, the Vikings outplayed the Saints, offensively at least, by a large margin. Uh, It was weird to see guys like Marshawn Lattimore having meltdowns on the sidelines, uh, arguing with Aaron Glenn, uh, one of the defensive coaches, and that's just not something you expect from a Sean Payton team in the playoffs at home. I suspect there will be some conversations about whether that last play was OPI, and we can talk about that at some point. But that's not why the Saints lost. The Saints lost because they got manhandled by the Vikings. I also think it's sort of funny that we talk about, not we, in recent days there have been conversations about Mike Zimmer possibly losing his job. Hmm. Uh, he was hired in 2014 by the Vikings. He went 7-9 the first season. Since then he's gone 11-5, 8-8, 13-3, 8-7-1, and then 10-6 and this season with a huge, huge, huge win in New Orleans. They are now moving on. Uh, hats off to that team I didn't think they'd be able to do it I didn't even think they would cover the, I think it was seven and a half at some point I'm not sure what it ended up at But uh, they did it Saints are going home again
0: By the way, before I ask John Breach about this controversial call You mentioned Mike Zimmer Have you heard his um, his uh, his little post-game hype hype video That he did for uh, for the Vikings For the Vikings social media team They sat down in the locker room Has anybody heard this? Is it was the first you're hearing of this?
2: I okay. have heard it, it is the least hyped hype video, but it's I, I can't wait to hear. It. I'm building it up. I was about to say that it's so unhyped that it actually hypes you up.
0: It gets you. You want to run through a GD brick wall. You listen to Mike Zimmer. Social media team sat him down in the locker room. He's going to get you pumped up. Hey, Vikings fans. I'll see you in San Francisco. Now let's go get it sounds like sean (laughs) he's like he looks his face is red he was just in it he's so bad that he's having to do this sean you're you're laughing you like hey brand new fans i'll see you at the show (laughs) but actually before we get to sean who's just giggling um breach well breach sean how you doing fellas
2: Thanks for finally welcome, welcoming us to the podcast. I, for a second, I thought it was just a two-person show tonight with you and Wilson.
3: Yeah, Breach, I was ready to hang up and have our own separate podcast. the Sean John Show, bringing it back.
0: Here's the problem. It's weird because, like, you want to say, what's up, everybody? You want to dive into the games. You want to have a little banner beforehand. I asked Ryan, like, an innocuous question, like, can you apologize to Kirk Cousins?" And then seven minutes later, he <laughs> stops talking. And then he's like, I'm sure there'll be something about the, the past. Like I was gonna, I don't, It's hard to... I, I it's not hard. It's
1: not them. hard at all. You say,
0: uh, welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, let's get to it. Boom, done. That's what I did and then I asked you a question, but then you apologize to Kirk Cousins. I got receipts. But go, we don't.
2: all know that if you ask Wilson to apologize, he is a classic apologizer. You go back to medieval times, apologizes with the best of them. He could apologize for hours.
0: And he did so. he <laughs> did manage to like take some pot shots at Kirk Cousins throughout that apology. He's like, Owen, oh and nine in Monday night football. Um look. Uh, should breach. I'm curious your thought. Let's get let's get to the controversy first before we dive into the game itself. The the final play call. I'm sure your po- you wrote a post on this. I'm sure it's blowing up because it was like people are freaking out about it. I mean, Sean Payton spent all offseason trying to get a rule in place where you could challenge pass interference um, in a play that would determine the outcome of a game. Well, Kyle Rudolph certainly pushed off on the touchdown that he caught uh the refs did not bother to look at it to, to they, they actually al riveron said they did look at it and they decided it wasn't and he mentioned by the way twice in his little uh pool report he's like and fox did a tremendous job what an amazing job by fox they were doing an incredible job uh, getting us those replays it's like we get it we get it you're gonna get fired and you want a job at fox dude settle down um he uh he but he he says they looked at it do you believe they looked at it should there have been a penalty what do, do you stand on that breach
2: I mean, I guess they looked at it, and this is the funny because our inside joke all weekend has been citing this Keenan Allen tweet where on Saturday morning, Chargers receiver Keenan Allen shot out a tweet that said, Oh, the playoffs will be fun. Too bad everything's decided by a guy who's got his legs up drinking coffee at an office in New York and shouldn't have all this responsibility. Uh, And and we've had jokes about that all season long, about how Al Riveron is actually drinking pina coladas, not even watching these games. He's watching old episodes of a His beeper goes off, and he's like, oh, crap, I've got to fix a review. And all of a sudden, boom, what happens is we're in the middle of another Saints pass interference controversy. And so, like, if this had been any other team, I don't know that it's such a huge deal, but the fact that it literally just happened in the playoffs last year with the Saints and the Rams, the fact that the whole Playoff, the challenge rule with the pass interference only got changed because of the New Orleans Saints, because of what happened to them. The fact that the NFL apologized last year, and here we are one year later in almost the exact same situation where, by the letter of the law, Kyle Rudolph absolutely committed offensive pass interference. Riveron said he didn't, but then you had two former NFL referees, Terry McCauley. Who was the lead ref in three Super Bowls. So very high graded, very, very much well respected works at NBC now. John Perry, NBC's ref, or ESPN's, uh, guy who also was NFL ref, also said it was offensive pass interference. So, uh, you have two former refs against Al Riveron saying, you know, it's kind of two to one. And Mike Pereira, a Fox, when he was talking about the game, didn't really feel like he wanted to come out firmly and say it was pass interference, but he definitely insinuated that he thought it was, uh, but he didn't think it would be overturned. I am not shocked that it wasn't overturned based on how everything went this season, but I am shocked in the sense that, look, you had a chance to kind of fix things here if you're the NFL. Get this monkey off your back. Give the Saints the call. The, the Vikings get a field goal. They go up 23-20, and they can still win the game, but now this is just going to be remembered as, hey, the Saints got screwed over again.
3: Not to mention that last week the Saints got screwed by pass interference indirectly in the 49ers Seahawks game on that second to last play by the Seahawks. That if it's reviewed, the Seahawks win that game. The 49ers or sorry, the Saints aren't even playing this weekend, Uh, so they've gotten screwed multiple times. I actually don't think this was PI, um, and I know like I think it's fine if you think it is, but. I think if it had been called live on the field, I think that's fine. But it's one of those replays, I think if you slow it down and reverse a walk-off touchdown, I would have had problems with that. Because I think it's one of those plays where if that push-off happens in the first 35, 45 minutes, I don't think it gets called. And so I don't think you should adjust the standard of refereeing at the end of the game. The one thing I was going to add is, this is uh, from Adam Schefter, I mean, the Saints just find ways to lose these playoff games in the most heartbreaking ways. I mean, you go back to obviously the the, the Minneapolis miracle, uh, the last year passed an appearance penalty. They're now the first team in NFL history to have six straight playoff eliminations by one score. And the second team to be eliminated in three straight postseasons on the final play of the game, they've lost. They've been eliminated on the final play of the game. Three straight years.
0: The other, the other team,
3: the Packers, the
0: Bay Packers. So 2013 to 2015, in the prime of Aaron Rodgers' career, essentially Absolutely. what got Mike McCarthy fired.
1: Um, let me add this quickly from Al Riveron. This is what he told um, our buddy uh, Larry Holder, who works at The Athletic now.
0: Read it in an Al Riveron voice, though. And when I say Al Riveron voice, I mean
1: – What I imagine
0: him – Summon your inner – how do I say this? Politician. But sound a little doofier.
3: I was going to say your out. inner idiot. Okay, whatever you want.
1: We're very uh, – go up the roll – with what we saw, nothing. No, make him
0: sound like he's about to die.
1: No, I'm, supposed to be, I'm acting like I'm inebriated. Oh, okay. All right. We're very comfortable with what we saw of River on Toll Holder. Nothing came through afterward that we did. We had not seen prior to making the ruling. So that just clearly means he wasn't paying attention. And sort of to follow up on what Sean hinted at about if you didn't call it at the end, uh, don't change what you are doing the previous 30, 45 minutes or whatever, I would go back even further. In the preseason, they were calling everything. For the first few weeks, they were calling everything when guys would challenge um, OPI or DPI, and then they just sort of
0: quit. Uh, hold on. Can we can we actually read this hour around thing? Because, like, the Fox stuff cracks me up. He well, says, let me finish this, and you can read it. Okay. But my point is that if they were calling
1: like they were intended to call it – like, the reason we have this, as John pointed out, is because of what happened last year. Um, with the saints and that's why sean payton was on the competition committee and why everyone got super angry about it and they made this change and they sort of instituted it for about three or four weeks and they quit doing it people quit challenging it and we were sort of expecting that maybe once we got to the playoffs then it would switch back to way the way it was supposed to be it just gotten worse so they really fixed nothing a lot of lip service and they're paying al river on money that it's unclear why he's earning the salary
0: well not for not for long in my opinion Here's what Larry Holder said. What did you see on the final play to uphold the call on the field? We looked at all the angles that Fox afforded us, and Fox gave us some great views. There is contact by both players, but none of that contact rises to the level of a foul. This is consistent with what we've done all year long. We left the ruling on the field. We let it stand. And then Holder follows up and says, seems like you guys did the process pretty quickly. If you know Larry Holder, who's like, like I love Larry, but like, like you can hear me like, it seems like you did of quickly. It was obviously clear enough uh, in that sort of a span that she felt comfortable with what was called. And Al responds, yes, Fox was great. They gave us every angle that they had pertaining to the play. So we're very comfortable with what we used. Nothing came through afterwards that we had not seen prior to making the ruling. Look, I, I'm with Sean here. That's a standard play in the end zone, and it's not a big deal if it's not the Saints and it's not the final play. This is eh, he pushed off, and he's forty pounds heavier than the than um, Marcus Williams. incidentally.
1: he was the one who missed the tackle on Stephon Diggs two years ago, yeah. so another bad ending for him.
0: I mean, he definitely extended his he definitely That's extended funny. his arm and, and pushed off to get uh, to get the touchdown. It's a great play. I love everything that happened about it.
1: Uh, you know, if you did, if I didn't see the replay, I would be I wouldn't have noticed. But I think. If they're going to call it, call it or don't waste everyone's time with all these meetings and, and promises and all other stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean it is just like – it's hilarious that it was so close to what – um it, it was so close to like what would be worth ch- like challenging – and yet it was like right up at the like, like it was it was the perfect yes. play to to ruin the Saints because it was just close enough where it was like you could definitely be mad at this if you're the Saints but it's also just far away enough where you can be like eh like you know you, what
1: so if this play had happened last year and that's why they lost and then the the play that happened last year against the Rams happened this year it would make total sense they would call this that the system would work perfectly right. everything they implemented but you're exactly right it was iffy and. You know, if that thing gets called 50% of the time, you're like, yeah, I guess.
0: I mean, the, the, I think the, I think, it, I think that if they had thrown a flag on Kyle Rudolph for extending his arm, that it would not have been overturned and ruled a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was gonna stand with a call on the field. Now, they haven't been consistent, but <laughs> if they don't throw the flag there, they're not gonna, they're not gonna use it to screw the Vikings over in that spot. And plus, they like to screw up the Saints. Uh, also, Preach, you know what? The Saints could have won the game on the field instead of playing like crap.
2: Yeah, I was about to say that is that you look at this whole controversy that happens. It's almost good for New Orleans because it overshadows the fact that, hey, is Drew Brees too old to play football anymore? Because it really felt like he single handedly lost them this game. He had a bad interception in the second quarter that the Vikings turned around, turned it into a touchdown to take a 13 to 10 lead. Uh, he had that ugly, ugly fumble. Late in the game, they were driving down to either tie the game or take the lead. the The Vikings were up twenty to seventeen. They had the ball at the Vikings' twenty-yard line. It was first down. All you have to do with your Drew Brees is not fumble. It looked like something out of Josh Allen's playbook, where worse, the, 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 yeah, worse. The defender got him <laughs> in his grass, so all you do is don't fumble. It, it it wasn't even swatted out of his hand, really. Brees just kind of lost it, and it, that cost them the game. That was it. I know they they come back and got a field goal, but if you include that fumble and the interception, and also Will Lutz missing a 43-yard field goal right before halftime, it was really those three mistakes. Uh, So Drew Brees and your kicker.
1: And by the way, the, the play before that insane fumble where no one touched Brees, that's what Taysom Hill ran for 28 yards. And he was sort of the
2: star of that offense, I felt like.
0: Was this this passing of the torch?
2: They need to replace Breeze now?
0: But Breeze dropped it. (laughs) Well, I don't, I mean, we already did the requiem for Tom Brady and like, should he come back for the Patriots? I mean, it's at least worth asking, like, are the Saints definitely re signing Drew Breeze and is Drew Breeze definitely going to play another season? I mean, he was awesome down the stretch this year and the Vikings did a tremendous, the Saints have a very good offensive line and the Vikings did a tremendous job. Getting pressure on Drew Brees. I mean, that their defensive ends were outstanding. Sean, they they got pressure all over Brees. They 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 disrupted him all day. The Vikings did a great job in pursuit at the second level. They didn't let Alvin Kamara get going. Um, they didn't let them have any uh, you know, any big plays down the field. And I thought generally looked pretty freaking awesome. We also have a little Drew Brees noise if you'd like to hear it. I, I evaluate every season kind of the same. You know, I mean, I, I look at, I look at all the great things that we were able to accomplish. You know, I look at um, how guys grew and how we grew as a team, and you know, you begin to just kind of envision, you know, the things that you want to do during the off season and, um, you know, the work that you want to put in, and you just, you know, begin to obviously think about how
4: you can start rebuilding it all.
3: Here's, I think, an actually really interesting angle from this game. Uh, You mentioned the defensive ends. We spent a lot of time in the second half of this podcast talking about the Atlanta Falcons, and if Dan Quinn had shown enough to keep his job and if the rearranging the deck chairs was actually working, the Vikings actually credited the Falcons um, for how they approached Drew Brees after the game, because if you watch this game, the Saints offensive line, look, their, their tackles are both outstanding, and what they said, um, according to Daniel Hunter, is that they saw how the Falcons played them. And the Falcons played the Saints tough twice. They they beat them once, right? Uh, and they lost by eight the second time. Uh, and they said what they noticed is they really attacked the interior of the Saints' offensive line. And Drew Brees is not nearly as good when he's facing pressure up the middle, similar to a lot of quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. It's the same way if you can get pressure up the middle. And that's what was so impressive. impressive is that they were able to shift Hunter – um Everson Griffin into the middle and the two of them combined for three sacks and that was my takeaway from the game is that as as well as Kirk Cousins played um I thought the consistent throughout all game because I thought Cousins kind of heated up in the second half I don't know if he was that good in the first half their defense was so good over the course of the game really the only player who could find openings was Taysom Hill who had 50 passing yards 50 receiving yards um and 25 uh receiving yards sorry 50 rushing yards and 50 passing yards so that's my takeaway and I think if when you start to look ahead at San Francisco I have questions how Garoppolo is going to be able to handle that because this this Vikings defense I think has proven they are very much elite and the questions that we were asking of
0: uh Kirk Cousins why is everyone looking at me weird Hey it's Brady Quinn everybody <laughs> Brady Quinn just j- walked into the studio he's not going to say anything He's just – I shaved. Yeah, that's right. I shaved, Brady. He's not – But I give him the microphone. Get him the microphone. I'm on radio right now. Love you guys. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, he's gone. He's leaving.
2: <laughs> he's got Special radio Sunday to night shout-out. Scared him off with no beard.
0: Diva, Devo, watching Diva, Diva was like, what are you doing? Why are you coming in here? Stop it. Uh, Diva records from the Fort Lauderdale Studios. That's right. On game nights, he stays with us until like 2 a.m. Mm. At, at, at the office. Um, See,
3: I thought I had said something like really off base because everyone was just like looking very alarmed at me. And I was like, oh my God, Diva's going to have to blurp something out.
0: Blurp. Yeah, uh, no, you're fine. Uh, the only swear words that we've gotten tonight were the Jared Dubin f-bomb that he dropped during the fire jason Garrett podcast make sure and check that out in the feed and we'll talk more about that uh, anyway continue sean or...
3: oh i was gonna say is that coming into this game like ryan had talked about we had a lot of questions can kirk cousins win a, a playoff game very clearly he answered those questions and now i think that same question now has to be asked of jimmy garoppolo
2: and, and real quick sean to add to your point that daniel hunter was saying how they kind of studied what the falcons did to drew Brees, and how you're worried about jimmy garoppolo uh, well, if they keep studying the Falcons, you know who else shut down Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers offense? The Falcons. They went to San Francisco and did that. And so if the Vikings are trying to emulate them, and they're arguably more talented on the defensive line than the Falcons are, you know, there's no reason they can't have a similar game plan and go into San Francisco and pull the same thing that they did against the Saints off.
1: By the way, quickly, we were talking about how the Saints – had no real reason to complain about that O.P.I. at the end because of the way they played. You go back to the very first touch to Adam Thielen where he fumbled after not playing for a few weeks. Um, Janoris Jenkins actually made the hit, which is remarkable in and of itself. Von Bell recovered, and it was down to the um, Vikings' 37-yard line first series of the game. Uh, that play should have been blown dead because of a false start. So the Saints got the ball when they even shouldn't have gotten it there. They ended up getting three points because, as we're talking about here, Daniel Hunter beat Ryan Ramchek who didn't give up one sack all season. Uh, to where they had to settle for a field goal, and that sort of was a, a harbinger of things to come in terms of how the offensive line struggled with with the uh, with the Vikings front four and pretty much dominated all day.
0: Do, um, man, I it's crazy how I just sort of think about the Saints. Like to me, coming into the playoffs, they were the best team in the NFC, and yeah. I mean. I, th- I generally thought the Vikings could make a Super Bowl run out of their spot in the sixth seed, but w- once the Saints got that three seed, I was—I mean, I, I just didn't think it was a likely scenario or a likely outcome. Um, Brenton,
2: because you and I both had the Vikings in the Super Bowl, because nobody knew what the seeds were going to be going into week 17, and in my head I thought, I feel good about this Vikings Super Bowl run unless they have to play the yes. Saints in the wild card.
0: Like Green Bay, Seattle, or San Francisco have been like, they can make this run. They can make this happen as long as they don't have to go through New Orleans first. And it does go to show you, like the Vikings looked terrible the last two weeks. Granted, one of them, they sat through starters. The Saints destroyed everybody. I mean, the Saints bull, bulldozed their way to the end of the season. And then, like, really ironically, they got, um, not only did they lose this game on that, on that ending, but they, they became the three seed when, the NFL didn't review the replay on during the Seahawks and, and 49ers game. It just seems like bad luck if you're a Saints fan. Do you think I mentioned Dubin? Is there any chance that Sean Payton leaves?
1: No, it's going to cost a lot for that to happen.
0: I mean, if I'm the Cowboys, I'd give up two first round picks in a heartbeat. For
1: sure, well, that'd be idiotic.
0: I, I disagree.
1: You would give up two first round picks for Sean Payton.
0: Yeah. And what I would mean,
1: what would your expectations be? Three years from now, in terms of what their record should be, because they they haven't lost many games under Jason Garrett. What? They have. Sorry, what? His career record is what eighty-five and sixty-seven or something.
3: (laughs) Prince, that's what I was talking about. This is how teams are going to convince themselves into Jason Garrett twenty (laughs) twenty-one.
1: No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you're giving up two first-round picks for a team that needs to needs wide receivers and help on defense, and you expect to be better than nine and seven the next two years? I mean, he's he's
2: yeah. But if you're the Cowboys and you're offering first pi- two first-round picks, the first team I'm calling is the Patriots. I'm like, yo, I don't think Belichick and Brady work together anymore. And you can only keep one of them because they don't seem like they're happy. And if you want to keep Brady and, and promote Josh McDaniels because you want to keep him, we'll take Bill, and you can have two first-round picks. Like, and I I, I think that's more like uh, more likely to happen than Sean Payton going to the Cowboys. There was
3: that story a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago about Jerry Jones still lamenting the fact that after Bill Belichick got fired that he crossed paths with him at a ski resort and basically offered his services to the Cowboys and the Cowboys just didn't have an opening at
0: the time. Yeah, I mean not not to make this Cowboy. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like that there's a I, I just feel like I mean, that's a look. The Packers went through that three with three years and it, it it's I mean, it didn't destroy them like, but it, you know, it took its toll. Like at some point losing but losing these games at the end of the season is just heart-wrenching fashion. I mean, they lost – I mean, like, how how many times can you have your, your penis kicked in before you did – you If see you're me. Mike Rabel, zero, because he cut it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, how many times can you get kicked in the junk before you're like, enough is enough. I'm going to go work for Jerry. I don't know. I just – I could see it happening. I thought uh, – I'll ask you again. What
1: What is your expectation for the Cowboys in three years if they get to they give up two first-round picks for Sean Payne?
0: I would – expect. Over the next three years, I think they win 10 plus games easily. Every oh. year. With Sean Payton over, over Jason Garrett? Yeah, nope. hell yeah. All right. That's fine. I'm assuming you signed. I mean, am I crazy? I feel like, I feel like you put Sean Payton this, Sean Payton on this Cowboys team is 10 wins a year minimum.
1: Well, he's been 13 and three the last two years in, in New Orleans. I don't
0: know what you're trying to, yeah, I, I agree. I agree.
1: Um, well, just, we just uh, talking about how, you just got finished talking about how tragically their seasons end and how much a toll it's taking. So that's my point.
0: I don't know. I am mean, just thinking fresh start. Anyway, okay. I, I I don't know. Like I mean, I think Drew Brees is coming back. That would be a surprise if he left. Let me ask you this: um, If they both were coming back, who would you rather have next year
1: on a dome team that's terrible? Would you rather have Drew Brees or Tom Brady?
2: Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Oh, really? I was thinking maybe Tom Brady. All right. Huh, okay, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I think Breeze was exponentially better this year than Brady. Here, let me ask you this. Do you think Sean Payton, like, wants Drew Breeze back? Like, do you think if he had to pick That's his quarterback good. tomorrow, do you think he'd rather have Drew Breeze or someone else who's already on his team starting?
1: Uh, I, yeah, it's funny you say that because um sometime on Tuesdays last December, I, I, well, talked to, I talked to Brady and Prisco about mock drafts, and once I had them drafting a quarterback – uh, late in the first round, and Pete said, I'm telling you, Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. You don't have to agree with it, but he loves Taysom Hill, and the implication was that he loves Taysom Hill enough to make him a quarterback that plays a lot.
0: Um, I saw a tweet out there that was like, if Sean Payton had two daughters, he would make Taysom Hill marry both of them, or like, or make them both marry Taysom Hill. Like That's how much he loves Taysom Hill. I, I, I think he wants Breeze back for one more year. Now, the, the question is, can you convince Teddy Bridgewater to stick around for one more year as the back?
1: Why? If you love Taysom Hill, you got Taysom Hill. You get a comp pick Taysom,
0: a- Taysom Hill is not the quarterback.
2: Yeah, well, he, you know, threw one, he
3: threw one pass. He's
2: a said. Let's also not forget that Sean Payton compared Taysom Hill to Steve Young, which is fascinating on, like, ten different levels. Besides the fact that Steve Young was a fantastic quarterback, uh, hey, that's somebody who took over for someone that no one wanted to see kicked out, Bill Walsh or uh, – they had to play that pretty close to the vest in the 40, in San Francisco. Bench Joe, or Joe Montana, and then hand over the reins to Steve Young. And George Seifert. George Seifert had to do it. Yeah. So after Bill Walsh retired after the '88 season, uh, Seifert was the one who eventually had to make that decision. But it is it's, it's it's not an easy decision to make. But if one of them is clearly better than the other, in this case, if Taysom Hill is just clearly better than Drew Brees, and, and Sean Payton feels that way, uh, you got to make the move.
1: I don't think he's clearly better, but I think he does a lot of what Sean Payton wants to do that Drew Brees cannot do, including throwing the ball more than 30 yards down the field.
0: All right. Let's talk about this. the Saints are done. We'll have time to reflect on the Saints later. Um, anything else about the Saints in that particular game? Otherwise, let's, let's, I mean, it just was, it was, it was crazy to just see how overwhelmed they were. I mean, like that, that was, they, they weren't, they, it was very much like the Patriots against the Titans. You know, like they, they just looked sloppier than they should have looked. Not, I mean, like that's not what you expect out of a Sean Payton coached team. They also the do. I yeah, have they, something.
3: Go they ahead. botched. They botched that fake punt that actually worked because they weren't set. Yep. Um, and then at the end of regulation, when they kicked the field goal to send it to overtime, they would have had more shots to go actually win the game if they had actually managed to clock significantly better. If that's Andy Reid doing that or Freddie Kitchens doing that, like we are spending a lot of time hammering the coach on that.
1: So, yeah, was, right, there's 20, 21 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Uh, there was an illegal shift because Brady wanted to spike the ball, but inside two minutes, it becomes a false start. They had one timeout. They chose not to use that timeout to preserve the 10 second runoff. It would have been just 21 seconds with no timeouts. Instead, they, for some reason, kept the timeout and then ran a play and ran a stupid play where Brady, uh, Brady, where, uh, Drew Brees had to just throw it into the ground. So you have seven seconds left to kick a field goal.
0: And, and, and actually, I forgot too, this game. Feels like it happened like twelve days ago for whatever reason. But the um at the end of the first half, the Vikings had gotten the ball. They intercepted Drew Brees with uh two minutes and eighteen seconds left. Um, you know, uh, uh they take it back to the New Orleans forty five. Cousins hits Thielen for nineteen yards, and then Dalvin Cook gets six yards uh with like a minute twenty two, New Orleans calls their first timeout. Cousins hits Thielen for thirteen yards. And then the, then, so it's third, it becomes first and five at the New Orleans five with like 55 seconds left or like a minute left. And Sean Payton doesn't call timeout and he lets the clock run down to 31 seconds. At that point, Kirk Cousins throws an incomplete pass and then Dalvin Cook punches it in for a touchdown. 27 seconds left. Will, uh, Will Lutz missed the field goal on the other end. They got down there so quickly, uh, because, um, the, uh, the, the, the the return from uh, from Harris went 54 yards. Breeze then hits Michael Thomas for 20 yards. They call a timeout with five seconds left. They should have had 30 seconds left in, going into halftime with a chance to score a touchdown. And just like that, Ryan, like you're pointing out, they should have had much more time to be able to score a touchdown instead of just tying it up with the overtime field goal.
2: And so what you guys are both pointing out here is they literally they went into halftime with a timeout that they yep. wasted because they absolutely should have used it earlier and they went into the end of the game and a regulation with a timeout that they absolutely should have used and so that's just mind boggling bad coaching on Sean Payton's part and i think we probably all agree that despite all the controversy with that pass interference at the end the vikings were absolutely the better team in this game like 100%. in this game they should have won this and and the better team oh, moved on
0: I, I forgot too like <laughs> i i was about to loo- well, i was just about to lose my mind because the Vikings are up 20-10, to 10, and they have this – I don't want to say the game is in hand, but, like, you just need to go up top and hit Thiel and their digs one time. You get up top one time, and this game is over. They run the ball a couple of times very predictably. Yes, yeah, Sean?
3: You know what they did? They, after they took the 20-10 to 10 lead, they had three more drives in regulation, not counting their knee down at the end of the game. They ran 15 plays, and they gained 13 yards.
0: Yes, and even worse, on that final drive for the the Saints to tie it up, they played complete prevent defense. Like You'd been doing all these things that worked so well for three quarters and got you in a position where you were leading by 10 in New Orleans against the number three seed, against the Saints, maybe the best team in the NFC, maybe the best team in the NFL, and your decision is to just turn just turn into a turtle in the fourth quarter and let the Saints try to come back, and the Saints just wouldn't take it. It it was mind-boggling. How did the, how did the Vikings do against the 49ers? We mentioned it on the the video pod. Do you think that they can go into San Francisco and upset the 49ers? Breach. Yeah.
2: No. Yes, I do. As Sean and I were talking about, they kind of used some of the Falcons' game plan against the Saints, and the Falcons also beat the 49ers Kind of similar personnel, except the Vikings are more talented. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't proved anything. He's a statue back there. He's a quarterback who you can beat up on, kind of get him flustered. Uh, and, and the Vikings can stop them. We saw what they did with uh, Alvin Kamara. Didn't do much in this game. And I, I do think the Vikings could potentially pull off this upset. I'm not sure. Brinson, if I, should we should I jump off this bandwagon, or should we stay on it and just go off the cliff or just ride it the rest of the way?
0: Got to go off the cliff, buddy. Yeah. Um, Vikings are minus I mean excuse me the 49ers are minus 7. The over under is 45 and a half. Um, the initial sims from sportsline.com have the 49ers winning 65% of the time. Average sim score 25.6 to 19.4 so the Vikings cover slightly lean to the Vikings slightly lean to the under in terms of the points. Which way would you guys go?
2: Uh- points
0: Ryan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the Vikings are going to cover, and I probably can be talked into talked into them winning that game because, as I said on the YouTube show, if you can go into the Superdome and win, you can go anywhere and win. It's not like San Francisco is incredibly tough to play place to play or Santa Clara. And um, Sean's been beating the drum too. We don't know what Jimmy G, Jimmy GQ is going to do when he's facing the pressure that we were killing Kirk Cousins for forever. So, yeah, and for as much as people may have issues with Mike Zimmer. He seems to get these guys motivated and, and ready to show up. Xavier Rhodes actually played okay, and he struggled this season. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to cover, and I think they have a chance to win.
3: It's. I think it's going to come down to which quarterback handles the pressure better, and I'm not talking, like, pressure of the the moment or, like, the magnitude of the moment. I'm literally talking about, like, pressure from up front because I think both of these defensive fronts are really good and are capable of getting after the quarterback, and both of these quarterbacks – throughout their careers are susceptible to playing really poorly under pressure. So like, it, I think that's what it'll come down to. I think it's a one touchdown game either way. So I would take the Vikings. And I also think it's a, it's an under. Cause I think both of these defenses are obviously really good. 49ers were the second best defense by DVOA Vikings seventh. If DVOA counted the playoffs, i assume they would shoot up from seventh after their performance against the the saints. So I like the under, and I think it's, I think it's a one score game, no matter what.
2: Uh, one thing to throw in that is tough here that the Vikings have to do and it doesn't happen to a lot of teams is that they played Sunday and they have to turn around, fly across the country and play on a Saturday. Uh, and most teams do not get hit with a short six-day week. So that could, if any Vikings were banged up against the Saints, that's not good.
1: Well, yeah, they're in the middle of the country, so they only have halfway to go.
0: That's true. Geography. They're probably already back in Minneapolis pretty easily, right? New Orleans and Minneapolis, not tough. Um, so you're it's a look it's a huge advantage for the 49ers. I mean, in terms of having the week off, having now, do you if you're if you're Kyle Shanahan, do you think you prepared for the Saints or the Vikings more? Come on, I'm just I, don't know. <laughs> I mean I'm saying like I mean like it's not like you started your prep now like you're if you're Kyle
1: Shanahan and walking through the office and you see assistant coaches preparing for the Vikings, you fire them immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was probably preparing for the Saints, but look, I, I'm, I'm sure he's probably he's probably a little smarter than us and he knows what he's doing. He'll be ready. But um, I can't imagine they thought that the Vikings were going to win that game.
0: The one thing that concerns me is that I thought the Vikings offensive line, Garrett Bradbury, anybody, played really well on Sunday against the Saints pass rush. The 49ers pass rush is a whole different animal. Like the Saints have Cameron Jordan, but they lost you know, they lost Marcus Davenport, lost Sheldon Rankins. Like, bu- like blocking the 49ers is much more difficult than blocking the Saints. So that that is concerning. If you get pressure on Kirk Cousins, he will fold. They are
1: eleventh against the rush, so I mean they're second against the pass and in terms of defense the forty nine ers so maybe you can lean on the running game they like play action a lot, the Vikings do, so maybe that helps, but yeah that that's going to be a a different type of ball game, but you know we've been saying if you can get up early or, or fluster Jimmy G, you know
0: with the Falcons went there and won, so it can happen four thirty five p m on Saturday, really, nobody's watching Kurt. Nobody knows. you will be, it. be daylight out. You'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. You're strolling into the office. It's like right outside. Oh, my God. It'll be more. It's like basically more. It's oh, it's one o'clock on the West Coast. It's a day oh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: you yeah. know how Jordan Palmer serves as like a lot of quarterback coach trainers? Andy Dalton needs to be in Kirk Cousins' <laughs> ear on the sidelines. It's daylight. Kirk, you're fine. You
0: can do it. Look, it says 1 o'clock, man. Um, All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to Debo about the Eagles. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family.
1: Marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer
0: support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Second game of the day. Tough one for Eagles fans. I don't think we mentioned the score, by the way. 26-20, the uh, Vikings beat the Saints. Uh, the Eagles lost 17-9 to to the Seahawks in a. I mean, It wasn't just crazy, but it was definitely weirder... In the sense, what? No,
1: no, I'm just laughing. It was weirder. If that game had been played first, we would it would have been a great game because all the other three that followed it were so would have been so good. But yeah, it was different.
0: I mean, it was it was well, it's not what you wanted for the last game on a on Sunday on Sunday night of the wild card weekend. It was a close game, but in a weird way, it never felt close. Primarily because Carson Wentz was knocked out after making just four four passing attempts when Jaden Clowney. I I think.
1: we should ask Debo first off how he felt about the Clowny hit.
0: Yeah. Bull. Oh, whoa! <laughs> whoa. He <found> the line. been <laughs> himself. I like it.
4: That was dirty, right? I mean, can you guys agree?
0: Yeah. yeah. Was I mean,
4: it? I-,
1: I watched it once. I didn't go back and watch it, but I saw people on Twitter very angry. So, explain to me what happened.
0: Well, Wince is running and he dives head first, and Clowny comes in on top of him, and like, I mean. You can't, you know, you can't adjudicate. Adjudicate, excuse me. Uh, you can't adjudicate intent. What? Don't make fun of my Adjudicate. Oh, adju- adjudicator. Um, Ryan's dying laughing. You can't adjudicate. Adjudicate. Um, but like he definitely uses his head, and it looks like a headbang as he throws his helmet towards Carson Wentz's helmet, and then Wentz it hits the back of his head, and he hits the floor. Did
1: okay. Yeah. It doesn't look great. And to be clear, he didn't throw his helmet Miles
0: Garrett style. He threw his helmet while still on his head, diving yeah, into the- He swung his head as he was diving in. He launched himself head first at another player's helmet and it caused that player to, to be ruled out eventually with a concussion. Josh McCown came in, went 18 to 24 for 174 yards. I mean, McCown fought his ass off. And,
1: um, uh, another question.
0: Yeah. Do you want to hear Josh McCown at the podium first? Sure. It's, a, it's an emotional love. It's an emotional like full minute. Is that okay, Ryan?
5: Yeah, I you know, I'll probably reflect on that later. Um and again, you know, probably with a sour taste. Uh but but thankful. Um yeah, thankful. Uh just you know, um my wife and my family have moved around a lot and been been a lot and been there for me and so um, and mom and dad and, and uh so to go out there and get to play in a playoff game was special. And uh and I can't thank them enough for their support. And uh it was it was just uh, it's a heck of a ride. I left it all out there, I know that much. Um this uh it's different playing at forty. Um so your body talks to you a lot and uh and um You know, uh, I think um, I think more than anything, it was that was. I think I'll reflect on that later. But it was fun to be out there for sure.
0: He's a forty-year-old. He was giving it everything. I mean, like he laid it all on the line. I I don't. I mean, like that. That's the story out of that to me. Is not that the Seahawks beat Josh McCown and Boston Scott and Greg Ward and Seamus McDougal, whoever the hell else the Eagles trotted out there. I mean, like McCown laid it all on the line.
1: Uh, yeah, so Wentz went down 227 in the first quarter, zero, 0 Debo, how, how did your, um in terms of a scale, scale one to 10, how much faith did you have in Josh McCown? Cause I felt like I did, it was, I felt okay with him coming in there.
4: No, I mean, I'm, I'm eternally optimistic, I think, to a fault. I'm texting friends and family. We got this, but inside, I, I know, I know it's an uphill climb. Um, we didn't get to see, uh, much of Josh McCown this season at 40 years old, came in the Falcons game just just briefly and had a, a brief spurt of some good play. But, you know, there's Twitter jokes going around that this team is comprised of Home Depot and Wawa employees. But this guy literally was an analyst and is still a high school football coach. And he's your it's quarterback like- in a playoff game, and he kept it within one score. So, like Will said, applaud him for the effort. Couldn't have done much more. Could have used Carson Wentz in a lot of situations, including the red zone. Yeah, you you can't ask much more from a 40-year-old quarterback playing in his first ever postseason game.
1: I will say this, if and I'm not even kidding. If Josh McCown had been on the Steelers, they win 11 football games. Like, I I thought there was a chance. (laughs) Not a Nick Foles-type chance in 2017, but we've seen him sling it before. And I thought, well, maybe you never know. This could happen. And the thing is, he wasn't the worst-playing 40-year-old we saw this weekend at quarterback. He might have been the best. He might have been
0: the best. I said on our YouTube show, I mean, Drew Brees is the sixth best quarterback playing on Sunday. Like, he was worse than Taysom Hill, worse than McCown, worse than Russ, worse than Wentz.
1: Sean Payton was a quarterback in college. Yeah.
0: Um Well, McCown
2: busted out that 11-yard run on that first and 10. That's I literally was like, that is a 40-year-old man rushing for 11 yards, outrunning the Seahawks defense, and that was the only time where I went from the, the Eagles now have maybe a 15% chance of winning to like 40%. That's what a run did. It fired me up. But it like, up.
0: I mean, not to, not to like, what sucked is that, so the Eagles secondary was exposed again, but not in like a way that was impressive. Like, <laughs> I mean, the Se- so? well, the Seahawks went, I believe it was five of six on third and 10 or longer against the Eagles. I mean, that's, that's really bad if you're, if you're the defense. Russell completed a bunch of big plays down the field. They, they iced him with a, a basically a jump ball to DK Metcalf. David Moore is running wide open. Yeah, to that was a weird
1: play though. He sort of came back and somehow got away. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help you, but right.
0: I mean, like, I thought the Eagles played, I think that the Eagles at full strength would have kicked the crap out of that Seahawks team. Yeah, of course. Uh,
3: I, th- I think it would have been a close game. I th- I think the Seahawks play every team to a one-score game level. Like, the 49ers are a much better team than them, and they took them to overtime and won, and then they came one yard short of beating them in the second time. And they've played a lot of bad teams, and it always comes. I think just the Seahawks are a team. They
0: always lost to the Bengals.
3: Yeah, they beat the Bengals by one. And, like, so I think the Seahawks are just that team where no matter who they play, I just feel like it's always going to be that one-score kind of game. And they just – they they were they felt like they were in control of this entire game. I mean they really weren't because it was a one score game the entire time. But it is they just could not put them away. And they just let them linger and linger, but it never really felt like the Eagles were gonna win this game. And I think with Wentz, I think it's still a one score game. And maybe the Eagles win it, but I don't think they kill them.
0: I when I say full strength, I mean like Sean Jackson. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I... all Sean Jefferson. Uh,
1: oh I mean that hasn't been the steam all.
0: No, I know, but I'm just saying, we'll just like having a I mean, hypothetical conversation. Yeah, like I mean, Miles Sanders got hurt. I mean, like Boston, it's like Boston Scott. I mean, there was at least there's been at least one moment every every week for the last three or four weeks where some dude on the Eagles catches a ball. I'm like, who is that? Like, I've I've never heard of that human in my life.
2: Yeah, they give you the roster card before the games, and usually you don't have to use it because you know everyone on the field. But the Eagles, you're literally looking at it like, oh, who's number 28 or who's this number? Who's that guy? because that's what it feels like watching him, because someone does seem to go down, and unfortunately it was Carson Wentz in this game. Uh, one thing I will say is that Russell Wilson got sacked seven times mm-hmm. in this game. Fun fact, since the stat, since sacks became a stat in 1982, only three quarterbacks have ever won when being sacked seven more times, and two of them were this weekend, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson.
0: Wow. Um.
2: Don McNabb was the other one against the Packers.
3: We should also give credit real quick to DK Metcalf, who set the rookie record for in a playoff game with 160 yards. And, uh, Brenton, you mentioned the game ceiling catch downfield, and he also had the huge touchdown that pretty much iced the game or, you know,
0: put, put, put it's them he's up. game winning touchdown. Exactly.
1: Caught it, fell down, got up before he was touched, and jumped to the end zone.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, there's no reason that dude should have fallen. Like he was going top ten in the draft at the combine, and then he fell because he couldn't do a, com- a three cone drill. Imagine well, if
3: the Patriots had drafted him instead of uh, I mean, I, Harry.
0: I don't know if that. Look, his issue. I mean,
1: look, he's awesome, and like we all had him going in first round mock drafts. But here's the here's the guys who were drafted ahead of him: Um Hollywood Brown. That's I fine. Think, whatever. Nikhil Harry had a terrible season. I mean, you would
0: take you would take DK over Hollywood Brown right now,
1: but that's fine. Debo Samuel.
0: Yeah,
1: you AJ Brown. Nicole Hardman, yep. Arcega-Whiteside, fine. I mean, but still, you didn't know. Paris Campbell,
0: but fine. D.K. Metcalf had more yards in this game than Arcega- Arcega-Whiteside White-Sid- all year.
1: Arcega-Whiteside went 57th, Paris Campbell went 59th, Andy Isabella went 62nd, Metcalf went 64th. My point is, those guys were grouped together. And if you're talking about guys that went in the first, the 25th was the highest-ranked wide receiver drafted. So, yeah, he could have snuck into the first round, no problem. But it's not like he was taking a bunch of stiffs were taken ahead of him. I think he's had a really good season. What are you? What are you eyeballing about?
0: I'm just confused by the. I'm confused by your statement. A lot of a
3: lot of stiffs were taken it before him. Yeah, just like just re- you no- just read the list of name. It's like AJ Brown is the only definitive for sure you'd have over him, and like I be, Hardman, Sam- I guess
0: Debo Samuel is fine. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: Hollywood Brown, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Nicole Hardman. Those guys were all taking 25 to 56, 57 to 64. are The guys that There's, I, just mentioned I know. What
0: I know what you said. I'm but I'm saying. Okay. That well, like, you're acting like I'm. I mean, it's no, not I mean, like. Taking, you definitely should have taken DK Metcalf over Andy Isabella. Like, I feel, I, feel, he I mean. Went pick, he went two picks
1: before him. Fine. Take him at 62nd instead of 64. That's my point. It's not like he went 25th. Mark, uh, Hollywood Brown went 25th. And it's obviously clear that DK Metcalf should have gone 25th ahead of him.
0: But if DK could, Metcalf was in the top 10 of every mock draft coming out of the, like, he, after the first day of the combo, I was like, this guy submitted his status as a top 10 pick. And then he fell to the 64th pick. There's tons of teams you could use, in the Patriots would kill to have D.K. Metcalf this year. Okay.
1: Uh My point is that it's not – I mean, people – every time he makes a catch, and I love D.K. Metcalf last year, but it's you need to see how, how where these guys went, and it's it's not like, oh, my God, everyone missed on him. He was still a second-round pick, and the guys that went ahead of him, who were clearly drafted ahead of him, not two picks ahead of him, those guys are really good guys except for Nikhil Harry, who had a tough year. That's all I, I'm
3: doing. I mean, the Eagles – Took wide receiver seven picks before, and they just got killed by DK Metcalf. And they I just, said,
1: I just said that, Sean. That's exactly what I just said. I, I well,
3: that's why I'm confused by it. it you feels. seem to be arguing our point.
1: Picks twenty-five through fifty-six. Those picks, other than Nikhil Harry, are all really good
0: picks. I'm not sure why that's hard to understand. I don't. I'm not sure that. All right, Debo. Would you give up JJ Ortega Whiteside and a second round pick next year for DK Metcalf right now? I will drive from Florida to Philadelphia and then pick up Ortega Whiteside at the airport
4: and drive him. I don't know. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Get him out
1: of
0: here. (laughs) Okay.
1: To in his defense, he's Spanish and his parents play basketball. He had no business being drafted. That's right.
0: I d like I I, I understand I love, what you're saying, Ryan. Like these aren't like schlubs, but and there's a long way until their careers are done. But everyone was locking in DK Metcalf as this guy who is gonna be That's you know, right. A game changing burner down the field, a big body, good luck stopping him when he gets vertical. And that's what he is. Like he's a perfect fit with the Seahawks. Like Russell's has it was like, All right, I got a shot play, it's going to DK and he's gonna out jump the other two guys down there. And they didn't have a effing prayer there's no way they're going to beat him to that ball he's way fast way stronger than everybody else
1: and what happened is and you mentioned i think the seven the three cone drill people started freaking out about it and i think the bigger takeaway is people spend too much time on twitter because you get influenced by stuff people say nfl teams weren't reading twitter that's how they felt about dk mecca they may have cared about the three cone drill but that's because they're setting their ways and and i imagine um mike mccarthy once he gets his technology staff in place and Dave Kettleman gets his technology staff in place they won't miss on guys like DK Metcalf but I think him as a second round pick isn't terrible if he had gone 25th or 32nd no one would have batted an eye at the time and uh the Patriots as you point out obviously would have preferred that to Nikhil Harry sitting on the bench for 15 what do
0: we what do we think about um Doug Peterson going forward on fourth down uh multiple times in the uh fourth quarter yeah what what's the alternative well, I mean, I, and I'm, I, I liked, I liked it and I, I think I slacked everybody at the time. I was like, you gotta go for it here. But, uh, well, Debo, what'd you think? Could he, was there at any point he should have kicked a field goal? Did you feel like, or were you like, you know what? We're not gonna get another, cause it's like, eh, we're not gonna get another look at this, but then you had another look. So and real
3: uh, real quick, the Texans, it was the third quarter, but they had something similar when they were chasing a 16 point deficit. It was 16 to eight and they actually chose, I think it was in the third quarter, chose to kick the field goal to make it 16 11.
2: And obviously that worked out for them, but.
0: I mean, really? to no one's surprise, it was. I,
2: I will say real quick. I, oh, right. I do think they should have kicked the field goal the first time there was six twenty four left. It was fourth and four from the Seahawks twenty four. If you make it, it's seventeen twelve. Because the thing is, when you're down eight points, you have to score twice to win the game. So you do need that extra score at some point. Why not get it now? There was plenty of time. And the other part is that the Seahawks offense didn't do much in the second half. That only the only touchdown came on. A wild 53 yard score to DK Metcalf, you guys just talked about where he fell on the ground, got up and scored. But other than that, the, uh, the Eagles defense did a good job of kind of slowing the Seahawks down. So I do think the first time on that first one where they went for it, they should have gone for the field goal.
4: I don't think there was ever any hesitation. We knew what Doug Peterson was doing. We've seen that situation so many times and it was a good play call. It was just a combination of a bad throw by McCown and a bad drop by Miles Sanders who's been Great, this second half of the season. So the play was there. I mean, they could have used it, like John said, but I don't think there was ever any doubt among Eagles fans or people in that game that they'd be going for it in that spot.
0: Yeah, and, after, and I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ryan.
1: Just the second, fourth down that they went for, I think, um, McCown just didn't get rid of the ball. He got sacked. And you just got, you got to throw the ball there. And then that's, that's what happened. And
0: the only weird thing about that, and I'm, I'm fine with what he did was he, it was, um, to so the, uh, Let's see. He throws it to Miles Sanders on third and 13 and they pick up, uh, six yards. And so it's fourth and seven and they let it run down for about 11 seconds to the two minute warning, which is, it's fine. Like you knew, you knew you're going to go for it. And if you get it, you're going to have a shot to, to tie the game. And if you don't get it, you're going to have to stop them three times. And then they, th- they took the shot over the top and it didn't matter. I, I would, I guess I wouldn't have minded if they, I don't know. I, like, I, like maybe hurry up. Get up there and run it. Like, I know. I, are you saying do it before the two-minute warning? Yeah, like that's an extra timeout.
2: I was out. thinking the same thing. Now, hold on. See, like I, that does make sense in the sense that you do get a free timeout, but it's also fourth and seven. The game's on the line. You want to have your best play out there. You don't want to rush to the line of scrimmage with 11 seconds with your 40-year-old quarterback who's only played once all year. You know, like – I understand them waiting. I Like, I'm not going to kill them for that, but I do agree with you guys that, yes, you definitely do want to have the extra timeout and a two-minute warning.
0: And I don't think they had time. Like, at that point, I, I mean, again, I understand why Doug Peterson went for it. I wouldn't have killed him if he kicked the field goal there either because you're kicking off to Russ and you're saying, hey, look, here's the ball. You're up five. You know, can you – are you going to – what are you going to do? And look, the credit to the Seahawks because on that third down, they took the shot play they up did it. top. They did it. I mean, like they, they, he did through it. He's like, let's throw a jump ball to, you know, the, the Eagles brought the house. Was that the most
1: surprising play The like that might be the most surprising play this weekend.
0: Yeah. That, that Brian Schottenheimer <laughs> called the cover zero beater and told Russell. And look, Chris, credit to Chris Collinsworth. He called it. He said, look, what I would do right here is I would put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands and trust him to do the smartest thing. And you could see Russell identified the blitzers coming and did the little bird flapping, like everybody chill thing. And then. Took a shot. But,
2: but, but that's what we would all do, except that's what everyone would do, except for Brian Schottenheimer. He seemed to be the only a person that doesn't realize that's what you should do. And somehow, I don't know what, maybe he fell asleep or went to the bathroom for that play and somebody else called it. And they're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to let Russ do this because he knows what he's doing.
0: I guess in the, the play they called in there was they were like, Hey, look, uh, we're going to run it. We're going to run a draw to shotgun. If they, if they go covers, if, if Schwartz goes covers here and he brings everybody, then here's, here's the, you know, we're gonna put this, Here's the audible that you can uh, go to. This audible where you throw a jump ball to DK and the game's over.
3: Also, stop doing cover zero against Russell Wilson. Would be my advice to teams yeah. moving forward. He's the best deep ball thrower in the game.
0: Yeah, and he has DK Metcalf who can outjump all of your players, except JJ Arthego Whiteside. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I think Debo said it best. Like you knew Doug Peterson was going there. I did. I did, I, and like I knew he was going to go too. And I don't, I don't mind him going. I do think it would have been interesting to see what happened if he'd kicked. Like well, this they, act-
1: they were struggling to to get the ball down the field, so you know you get yeah. you gotta shoot your shot as JJ used to yeah. say.
3: And, and at the end of the day, they still didn't get into the end zone. Like they still would have needed up. to get in the end zone, they still came up short. So
0: I, I, I was texting with this about a, with a buddy about it, and it's like when you're down nine and you score a touchdown, and you go like the analytics say to go for two because you need to know how much you know you need to know. Um, but like there is a psychology in all this, and like that sort of gets lost in the analytics. Like, it's important that – sometimes it's important, and maybe it matters more in a college game than a pro game, but, like, sometimes it matters more to know that you – for instance, if Doug Peterson kicks the field goal and you're down five, you know that if you get the ball back, a touchdown wins it, and you're walking out of there, as it, like, with a win. Same thing where, like, if you go for two down nine and you miss it, like you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden – or, you know, down 15, excuse me. You go for – you get the touchdown, you go for two, and then you're down nine, like – it deflates your team. You know that all of a sudden you need to score twice. So there, there is psychology built into this that I don't think it's talked about enough.
2: Yeah, definitely. And there is – that's, I think that's why you always see these arguments. Go on Twitter, you see people arguing about all this stuff all the time because analytics is just numbers. And, and we talked about Belichick and yesterday or this mor- Sunday morning's podcast about how he kind of coaches from a feel of the game while also thinking about the numbers. And he incorporates that and does whatever he feels best based on the flow of the game while taking all that into account. And that's kind of what you're talking about, Brent. Like you just can't go on the raw numbers and make all your decisions based on that. You got to see. How the – if your defense is getting beaten up, then, you know, you don't want to put them back on the field, and you might want to go for it on fourth down. But if your defense is doing great, you might be more likely to punt the ball away because they've shut the other – you know, like there's a lot of things to consider with it. Uh, but, yeah, totally with the psychology thing. I think I agree with you. I
0: think. Yeah. Seahawks at yeah. Packers. <laughs> Packers minus minus um minus three and a half. What do you – uh what do you do with this, Ryan? What do you think? The luck box?
1: I, I like yeah the luck box. I, I, like, I like Seattle in part because and I said this on the YouTube show, if Schottenheimer's going to throw the ball, then that opens up new avenues for that offense to have success. Uh, Bill Barnwell tweeted this out during the, um, the four o'clock game, the, the Eagles Seahawks game. Uh, early on in the game, he said the Seahawks have called six runs on second down and gained a total of two yards. And a couple hours later, he tweeted this after some time had expired in the game. Their 10 pass calls on second down have now resulted in 132 yards and a touchdown. And I I just wonder, and, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, fool me once. Okay, Schottenheimer's finally turned the page, and he's going to start throwing the ball, and then he shows up in Green Bay and runs the ball 45 times, and it blows up in our face. But if he's willing to to let Russ be Russ, then they have have a real chance. I, I mean, none of us are really sold on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yes, they have an extra week off. Yes, Matt LaFleur looks just like John Breach. But I, I think Russell Wilson is good enough to to overcome all that, especially the, the LaFleur-Breach uh, look he likes.
2: Guys, we need before in the Super Bowl, that's all. We need before in the Super Bowl, and I'm going to dress up and sign autographs and so walk around Miami. <laughs>
0: if it was the Vikings and the Packers in the championship game, in the NFC championship game, who are you rooting for?
3: Oh, that's rough. Don't do that so, to me. So that would be at Green Bay.
2: So...
1: Yeah. He just means for the LaFleur connection, Sean.
0: LaFleur versus being, if it's, if the Chiefs are in the AFC championship game, and I guess the AFC is first, right? Usually?
2: It is this year. Yeah. AFC's first. Yeah.
0: AFC's first. So, like, if it was the Chiefs already in the Super Bowl, you would definitely root for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. You, You make a preseason
2: prediction. You want to see it pan out. And I'll say that my preseason prediction for the NFC championship game was Packers Vikings. Uh, so I am kind of, Rooting for that, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that I think the Vikings will beat the 49ers because of that, uh, but I, I won't be sad if it happens. I'll say that.
0: Okay, um, Sean, do you think that the Seahawks will let Russ be Russ in the uh in, against the Packers? Because like, here's the thing not, about this. not early. Here's the thing about this game against against Philly. Like, they didn't do that. They ran the ball with Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer and then they'd get in trouble and Russ would bail them out. It's just what the offense has been all season long. At some point, the luck is going to run out.
3: Yeah, but I think the Packers are an almost equally lucky team. Maybe not as lucky. They haven't won nearly as many one-score games, but I think this is a low-scoring game, to be honest, um, because I'm not that impressed with the Packers' offense and Aaron Rodgers. But,
2: Sean, what about point differential?
3: Packers are plus
2: 63, Seahawks are only plus 7.
3: I I know, I know. But Russell Wilson is like the, he's one of those like actual like, yeah, he like goes against like analytics and like numbers and he's like the, I don't know the word I'm looking for. He like, it's like the one quarterback capable that I think that like, yes, the Seahawks are not going to win 10 one score games next year. Like that cannot maintain itself over the, the course of a really long time, but I think it can absolutely keep maintaining itself this season, and that's just, like, it speaks to Russell Wilson's individual brilliance. I think this is, no matter what, a field goal type of game. Like, in Would you rather have Aaron Rodgers in this game, or Russell Wilson in a one-score game? I would rather have Russell Wilson.
0: Is there any chance that um Aaron Rodgers goes nuclear in this game?
2: Yes, there is always that chance. Brinson, we're going to hold on to that hope. We've been holding Every on to week. it for 18 weeks, and it's going to happen either the divisional round or the championship round after they beat the Seahawks. He's going to do it. Maybe in the Super Bowl. We both know it's going to happen. It's Maybe this week. I'm rooting for it to happen this week. It's going to
0: happen.
1: Yeah, it could totally happen. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. I'm not that as is, down as Aaron Rodgers as
0: Sean is. The Seahawks defense isn't good.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. J- J- uh, excuse me. Jadavian Clowney is banged up. I mean, he wasn't hurt enough to Landon Wentz, but he, he wasn't 100%, and I don't imagine he will be in six days.
2: And this game's going to be played in the freezing, cold, frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And, Preacher, you
0: know, it, weatherman, what are we looking at?
2: We are looking at a high of 32 degrees, but since this is the late game, we will probably see closer to the low, which will be in the high 20s. Uh, and that's cold. You know, that's, that that that's, is really cold. And the Seahawks are 2-3 and all-time under Pete Carroll playing in temperatures under 35 degrees.
0: Mm, what games were those? I know you looked it up, obviously.
2: Uh, one was at Green Bay in 2016. One was at Minnesota during the Vikings. The, was, one, did, the, did the, the win, win.
0: Game.
2: Yeah, was the, yeah, the Blair Walsh field goal. That was one of their wins. So they probably should have lost that game um and then another loss was at kansas city against andy Reid and the chiefs and then before russell wilson they lost uh against the bears and then their other win was at home they have one win at home Mm. and all their road ones the only win on the road was that blair walsh missed kick game
0: okay um what do we think about the eagles moving forward gotta get healthy
3: yeah they were well, my they'll, Super Bowl they'll pick have before.
0: an entire offseason for that. So
3: they they were my Super Bowl pick before the season, and I still feel fine about the process. It's just that they just weren't healthy the entire season.
0: I don't want to hear a single word about the Steelers then. And for the record, the Vikings. I I
3: I was not. I've, I don't think we've ever given you crap about the Steelers pick. That was a
0: good pick I don't want to hear me. one more word. You know who's you know who's still alive in the playoffs? Garrett, MF, and Bradbury, son. You know who's not? Your Super Bowl pick. <laughs> Your Super Bowl pick, I agree.
1: Well, the
3: Chiefs were my Super Bowl winner, so. That's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke.
0: Um, not a, not do, a good one.
2: Who'd you have, Ryan? I don't even – John, Brady, who did I have? I don't remember. Uh, that is a good question. I think I'm the only one that has both Super Bowl picks still alive because I had the Chiefs and Vikings. Wilson, you had – oh, Wilson's still alive. Yes. Had, both teams. Wilson had the Chiefs and the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh
3: nice. God. I like how you have no idea.
1: I know. <laughs> Dude,
3: Chiefs Seahawks could happen.
1: That
2: could who happen.
3: Have, who, who does he have winning? Chiefs.
2: Uh, he has the Chiefs winning. Yes. Ooh. So I mean, like the Seahawks.
0: That's, that's legit. Just, that's, 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 thank you. The, not as dumb as I, I thought, thought it was. was like, <laughs> dude, would it surprise you at all in the slightest if the Seahawks went to Green Bay, beat the Packers, and then beat the Forty ers and they went to the Super Bowl. It I mean, the, if,
1: the, if it's the, Vi- oh, the Vikings are 60, so that Vikings game would actually be in Seattle. In if, Seattle, yeah. They've Ooh. already
2: beaten the Vikings once. They've already beaten the 49ers once, so there's no reason. If they get
0: past the Packers game, there's no oh, reason they it's can't on. win the NFC title game.
2: It's
1: not like Donkey Kong. What
0: would the line be for Seahawks hosting Vikings NFC championship game?
1: Minus five and a half. Three.
0: Three seven the first time they met and then they thank beat you. him by i 10. told you
1: i'm really good at making lines guys it's
0: five and <laughs> that. it is incredible how good you are um, <laughs> thank you what
2: would a packers 49ers nfc title game line be in san francisco in san, yeah in san francisco minus two no Did i was you gonna don't, say seven, seven. 37 yeah. to eight last time they played i was gonna say seven oh, i don't know okay. that might be too high
0: I don't know if you're trying to set Ryan up for a humiliation. I'm really good at this. <laughs> two?
1: <laughs> two. I'm telling you, 7 7 sounds like too much though.
0: It would not be would I be.
2: have to think if the Packers and 49ers play, that would be the worst championship game point spread we can get, right? Out of any of the matchups possible?
1: You mean two? It'll be very it'll be the largest?
2: Yeah, the largest.
1: What but yeah, but if the Packers win like 33 to 12 against the Seahawks or something, that's going to affect the, the point spread.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right.
1: True. Yeah. So that's um, – I'm telling you, I think it'll be closer to two than seven. That's just my gut instinct. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Wilson says so. Thank you. I
3: mean, well, four, well
2: I mean, like ravens Texans so might be big because Ravens beat Houston like 41-7 earlier in the season. That could I be feel like that would
1: be a lot bigger than Packers-49ers, right?
0: Well,
1: oh, that's going on now. That's going on this time.
0: Right. the Texans beat the Chiefs, and they're ten-point dogs to the Chiefs. Like, who, like it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, they're going to set the line what they think the line should be.
1: Yeah, minus two.
0: It's it will not be two. If it's two, it's, <laughs> it's going to be minimum like at least three. Like it's not it, going below no, three. Minimum five. It's minimum ten. It's a pick'em. It's, it, it's a pick'em. Pick Rogers favorite in San Francisco.
1: Um, if it's minus two, who are you taking? The 49ers, no questions
0: asked. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for my kids. <laughs> what are these things worth? <laughs> I don't, just put them out there. I don't care. Both of them. Yeah.
1: All right. You're going to regret it.
0: Kidneys and a lung. How much is a lung worth? Oh, did I tell you guys that, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in Slack or on text. So, uh, just a fun story for those that like to hang around for the full podcast. So, uh, my wife's friend Grace comes over around, uh, lunchtime on Sunday and, um, after church. Yeah, I'm sure she'd been at church. Uh, she likes to come over and drink all of our wine.
2: Wait, is this Grace who we're setting Sean up with?
0: Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, 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 who previously discussed Grace. Um, oh yeah, so I no, I mentioned Grace in Slack. Yeah, I was like, she's coming over, she likes to drink our wine, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, Grace, um, I probably should have said my right name, but anyway, she, my, my <laughs> wife's best friend come, comes over and she, um, she, she, uh, you know, hangs out and drinks some wine. Eventually drinks all the wine that is in the house. And uh, we've gotten Robbie a a, a a starter drone, a twenty-five dollar target drone, um, you know, with a remote control. Like, you know, it's, it's basic little plastic like things. And I taught him how to fly it. You know, his birthday was on Friday. I taught him how to fly it. You know, we spent the weekend like testing it out. And so he was out back flying it with uh, with a.k.a. my wife and her friend. And he's like doing a good job. He's like zooming it around, like buzzing buzzing everybody, like flying it really well. And my wife's friend is like, "Let Robbie, let me try it." And she gets a hold of the remote, and within three seconds, the drone is in a tree.
2: Did she get uh, DUI, droning under the influence? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I
0: don't know. Probably should have. Um, anyway, they couldn't find the drone. The drone is gone, and Robbie is very thrilled about it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like my nephew, who actually lives in Raleigh, not too far from you. He got a super souped-up remote control car for um, for Christmas, his older brother took it outside to run around in the street and a minivan down the road ran over it. So he literally got to play with it zero days. Um, so maybe he and, and Robbie can commiserate start a club.
0: Wait, so John, did you do – did you redo your – oh, no, this guy, you found a tweet from this guy who questioned Kirk Cousins from back in September. I like it.
2: He called me an idiot for picking Kirk Cousins to get to the Super Bowl. That's a shot at me and Kirk Cousins. He
1: actually called you stupid.
2: Was That's right. true. That's fair.
1: Only an nope. idiot would think you were called an idiot if you were stupid. <laughs> did you Did you
2: reply to him? I have not. I will. I'm, I'm biding my time, man.
1: You can learn a lesson from Breach, Brenton. He He is the nicest person on social media. I, I don't. Have you ever responded negatively to anyone, John?
2: No, but in my pics column, I'll call them out, and then they don't know it because they don't know their tweet got embedded. But then people laugh at them with me so that then – them making fun of me is no longer the funny part of the joke because I'm making fun of them.
1: And that, folks, is how you become a serious killer.
0: <laughs> what is a good number of playoff teams you get right for, for picks before the season? Uh, 12. I went 8 to 12. It's pretty good. I was
1: going to say half because they always, you know, Ford never make it from the previous yeah. year. Yeah, uh,
0: I'll give you 8 um, or 12. That's really good. Yeah. Breach got 8 too. Alright. got you 10
1: to 12, but whatever.
0: Did you? <laughs>
2: No, Wilson found out that both his two rule teams are still alive And he's on a high It's going to be a perpetual <laughs> high That's going to last until the Seahawks lose next week And one, he, he, one of his teams will be out
1: <laughs> And then The point spread will be minus two in San Francisco And I'll be on a high again
0: <laughs> You will not. If you get that right You will not stop talking about it I can
1: promise you that, that.
0: Um, any, uh, Anything else you want to add Before we get out of here I, I just you.
2: want to ask Brinson What was your straight up picks record this week
0: Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh. You hate to see it. What, what uh, it? well, what was, what was yours? Two and two? That was yeah. one and three, I believe. Uh, going into the Eagles Seahawks game, we have eight experts on our page, which frankly seems like a few too many. Sean's not on there. His name's too long. They can't put him on there. <laughs> it would be nine. Um, we have eight experts. Do you know how many, do you know how many picks we've gotten right? Uh, like cumul- cumulatively of the eight experts, eight picks through the first three games. I'm going to say, so that's
1: 24 turtle picks. Yeah, so we must have at least gotten eight right. A third of the picks.
2: Any
0: other guesses? Eight. It's low.
1: Three.
2: No, I know it's low. Yeah.
0: Three. I, I, three picks. We got straight up. Not even against the spread. Three straight up picks. Three out of eight 24. people. Out of 24 picks. One person had the Texans and two people had the Titans. And I that's got it. one of
2: those three. Um... But, yeah, so Brinson
0: went 0-4. <laughs> own it. I'll, I'll own it. I mean, like, could have easily gone 3-1. and one. And You're Brinson, the sad it? part is if we would not have jumped off our Vikings bandwagon, mm.
2: we would have called the upset of the weekend.
0: know. I was like, as soon as – I was like, why didn't I pick the Vikings? Though? Like, why, like I went 0-4. Why do I care if I picked the Vikings to upset the Saints? I should have just done it. I'm a wiener for not doing it. Um, I had the Bills. The Bills should have won. I had the, the Eagles and Carson Wentz got knocked out and I had the Patriots. And I think the Patriots could have easily won. So no regrets. The Patriots could have easily won. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy. Okay.
2: That was a, I was a coin flip game. I feel, am uh, the same way. Like, that 15, could have gone, that could have gone
0: either way. 20 seconds left. <laughs> the Bills blew
2: it. Like the, the Saints probably got the most dominated in all these games of all the losers this weekend, right?
0: Was this a good wild card weekend? It was great. That was awesome.
2: Yeah. Okay. Two overtime games,
0: all four games within one score.
2: Yeah. I kind of feel like we're heading towards an anticlimactic
3: divisional round. Like I feel like there could be some blowouts.
0: I feel like last year there was like, it was like wild card weekend was crazy and I was like, it's going to get crazier. And then it was just like bloodbath city on divisional round weekend. Is that, does that, does that ring a bell to anybody?
3: Yeah. Cause the Chargers, right? Chargers, the- Patriots,
0: Colts, God. Chiefs. Yeah, it was like the Colts are going to beat the Chiefs. Chargers are going to take the Patriots. It's just like, and, and then, uh, what were the other two games? Did you say Chargers already?
3: The, the Rams Cowboys?
0: Yeah,
2: Rams Cowboys. That sorry. was
3: boring. Yeah, Rams. No, and whoever the Saints,
2: the Saints Eagles was the only exciting one.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Alshon yeah, Jeffrey yeah. dropped the pass and it led to the pick at the end.
0: That's right. Yep. Oh, did. yeah, yeah, because I was like, there's going to be three up, huge upsets and one big blowout. And then there were, Three blowouts and one upset. I missed all four games of division around weekend, so that there's
1: that. She had to uh-huh. kick Ebo one last time before we ended the podcast. Nice job, Sean.
3: <laughs> well, if it makes him feel better, the Eagles beat the Bears because of Cody double. W- that play. does not
1: make him feel – why would that make him feel better?
3: Because I'm just as miserable as he is.
4: Ebo, anything else on the Eagles that we missed? Um, Do not give this team 40 weeks to get healthy because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> next year.
0: No. That's, that's a spirit. I'm um, – it sucks for Carson Wentz, man. That sucks.
4: Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he'd he gone through so much. There was so much of a narrative around him. They get rid of Foles. He missed his first two postseasons after doing well in the regular season, was an MVP candidate in 2017, had to watch a backup win the Super Bowl, finally gets a chance his fourth year in the league and gets eight snaps and four throws. Like, he, he's made strides as a, a leader. They talked about him going around to everybody's locker after the game. It's just – You wish he had that opportunity. We'll never know what the outcome would have been. Josh McCown did great. But like we said, I think they win this game with Carson Wentz.
0: I agree.
2: Um, Home teams, seven and one straight up in the divisional round. That is a fun fact for everybody to go into the week with.
0: All right. Let's get out of here. Great podcast. We'll be back uh, (laughs) next tomorrow with some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> who knows what the week's gonna bring guys there's no monday night preview there's no monday night recap it's like weird like it's uh it's very relaxing
2: and that's seven and one over the past two seasons that was a weird never-ending stat sorry okay are we, Richard, done, are we
3: done, done recording
2: oh no.
3: we're still recording okay no record. i wasn't sure
0: yeah it's yeah sean this is before your time but are you, have you, did you ever watch ferris bueller's day off yes of course it was one of the first like movies I remember watching as a kid, where it's like, like the credits are rolling, and he oh, pauses. Yeah. He's like, "You're still here? What are you doing? Get out of here! Go on, get, go on, get out of here." Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, "Mayor of Kingstown." My job is to create a balance, avoid a war.